On this episode of Brio TV, the podcast, it's my pleasure to welcome back an old friend who really knows the meaning of the term allegiance. Cue the guitars. My guest today helped get the whole podcasting thing started for me back in 2019. 2019, can you believe it? And he was my second ever guest right after Air Force founder Don Ferguson. Today's guest met me down in Etobicoke at the Humble and Fred Radio Studio. This was pre-COVID, where we had a wonderful conversation that covered many highlights from this gentleman's career. His breakthrough film role as a nerdy alien in Galaxy Quest, his TV hits Just Shoot Me, Veronica Mars, and Flashpoint, his roles opposite stars such as Jude Law and Tom Hanks in AI and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, among other features. His latest project has him mentoring a rookie cop played by Supinder Ratch in the new CBC police drama, Allegiance. Not bad for a kid from Henry Carr High School in Etobicoke. For my money, he's the Spencer Tracy of his generation. You never catch him acting. One of the truly good guys, Enrico Colantoni. Am I not going to see your face? Oh, we sure are. Hold on. This is uh, Meek Derriere. Wow, the beard got bigger. Well, you know, it. Uh, I was walking through uh, Cloverdale Mall at uh, in Etobicoke. Tell me this is a Santa Claus story. It is. Okay. So in, in November, I'm walking through there, and this guy stops me, and he goes, you know, you. Everybody ever tell you, you look like Santa Claus? Yeah, what is that? And I said, yeah, that or Letterman. I'm gonna. He goes, no, no, you look like Santa Claus. Uh, anyway, he recruit. He's a recruiter for Santa Clauses. He was <laughs> set, he was setting up the Santa in the mall, and uh, he tells me it's thirty five bucks an hour cash. Uh, you get more for corporate gigs. I'm going. Tell go on. Go on. Go on. Yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe maybe next year we're moving That's here. That's funny. I didn't have time to do that. As you can see by the empty bookshelves, uh, I'm getting out of Dodge. So I uh, didn't have time to be Santa this year. Are you uh, moving from that little office space that I saw you some years ago? Is that where you're moving out of? That When, when you and I talked, and, and, and again, my God, you were the second episode I've done of these podcasts. That was like nearly five years ago, Rico, if you can believe it. Uh, that was down in uh, – uh, Humble and Fred's, uh, Howard, uh, yeah. that was his place. So we recorded live there. So no, uh, I'm in Brampton and that's, we're moving to Orangeville. So that's the plan. Anyway, wow. how are you? I'm wonderful. Everything good. is good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. That's fantastic. You look great. You, you look happy. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Glad I, to hear it. Somehow it sneaks up on me sometimes. <laughs> um, last I talked to you, you're telling me you were playing ball hockey and screwed up your one of your knees, right? Do you remember this? Oh, jeez, yeah. You, well, you know what? I screwed up my hip. I ended up having a hip replacement. That's what I was going to ask. So you yeah. got the hip. So how how did yeah. that go? I did because uh, that was right before I went back to do uh, the new installment of Veronica Mars. That's right. I don't know if I told you this part, Bill, but so I'm limping, and Rob Thomas is saying, "Oh, by the way, we want." Um, Keith to have uh, a cane. I go, that's perfect because I can't walk in a straight line. <laughs> so for the whole eight episodes or six episodes, whatever it was, I needed a hip replacement and I manifested the exact same thing in my life. The minute we stopped filming, they 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 cut me open and it was just like I, I, needed, a, I, I needed a real hip replacement. So Wow. I'm such yep. a method actor, brother, but, you know, the cane. and Kristen Bell just kept saying, stop using it as a cane. Stop using it as a cane. I go, but it's a cane. I, what am I going to use it with? A little, <laughs> a little air gun. But it's like, I just, you know, it just my brain said, right, you're, you need a hip replacement. And in fact, I did. And it works out all right. Well, from what I understand, it's easier to recover than a knee, right? A hip. That's what they say. Or a shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a, a buddy had his both shoulders done twice, oh. and then he goes and plays golf again, and it's screwed up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, congrats on uh, allegiance. All your body parts still? <laughs> yeah, I, I pretty much. Yeah, I think so. Good, good, I've good, got good. 
Almost a full set of teeth, yeah. Great, because Orangeville is going to kick your ass. You know that. Yeah, well, I'm. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, it's uh, it's north of the tree line. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's it's a little more winter, but uh, it, yeah. it, it's uh, I'm in the banana belt here now in Branton, of course. <laughs> but I don't go, I don't know that reference. Well, um, Branton, honestly, it is a little more moderate because it's when you're south of Caledon and north of the lake. Right, Ontario. Yeah. It doesn't get quite the brunt that uh, you do right when you get north of Caledon, but uh, I'm I've got a shovel. I'm ready, right, and good. and a snowblower. Good, good, good. So, um, uh, allegiance. Uh, I just talked to Mark Ellis. Um, he was giving me the lowdown on it. Um, it's a wonderful relationship you and uh, the actress um, who plays Ratch. Ratch, yes, and. Mm-hmm. Um, she is this rookie, uh, uh, bright, the tops in her class. Um, sh- she's the valedictorian for the the class that's graduating. And uh, uh, you, uh, as she comes to the squad, and you are the seasoned professional cop who's going to mentor her and bring her along. Yes. And uh, right to me, that sounds you're 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 interviewing the right person, Bill. Okay, good. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> it's Wednesday, and this is Enrico Colantoni. <laughs> um, so, you know, you, you've been in this uh, position before in stories where you're mentoring somebody or sort of a father figure. Yeah. Um, how is this guy different from uh, characters you've played on Veronica Mars or other uh, shows? Yeah. Uh, well, this guy is uh, is at the end of his uh, of his career. He's ready to retire. He's about three months out of retirement. And he's and he's old and he's tired. He's jaded. He just wants to get out. And then Supinder's character, Sabrina, Sabrina Sohol, comes in as this wide-eyed, idealistic rookie who wants to change the world. But she's really good at it. And she had she comes from her heart, and she's really skilled at connecting with people and in such a way that reconnects him to the love of policing. And uh, and so it becomes one of those things where the student becomes the teacher, the teacher is the teacher, the student is the student. But then at the end, they really just become, I think, they you know the hybrid version is the perfect police officer, someone who is aware and savvy that the system may or may not be broken. At the same time, we still care, mm. put our hearts out there, and we still show up at your door really wanting to give us to uh, give a hundred percent, you know? Well, when we see uh, your police officer, um, uh, Elliot, um, oh no, I'm sorry. Um, your character's name on the show. Elliot is from a show from 30 years ago. I'm sorry, Rico. I'm moving. As you can see by the empty bookcases, I don't even yeah, know. If we didn't know name. each other, yeah. I'd be offended, but you know, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, no. Vince, his name is Vince. Vince. Brambilla. Yeah, I, I think he's of Italian descent. Thank God. There you go. And uh, uh, that, that made life easier. And, uh, and and he seems to be more of a, like a family man. Like we see him talking to his yeah. presumably his wife briefly there and saying, he's "Looking family man." To- he has. I can only compare it to the last police officer I played. And so this guy is happily married with children. He's very present in his. Uh, he's a family man, and he has a wonderful sense of humor. He really sort of teases the Sabrina character quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So he has a lot of fun. And I think that lends itself to the chemistry that uh, Supinder and I, uh, we actually didn't discover it. We sort of, well, we discovered it in the audition. It wasn't even, we didn't, we hit the ground running, just knowing each other briefly um, beforehand and reconnecting in the audition uh, and then just having a wonderful time in the banter and the, the, the play-by-play. And we really brought that. And she, what she brought was just a care for the whole crew and just, I keep using the word effervescent because she really is. She's just bubbly and alive and happy and grateful. And so that, and she's the number one on the call sheet. So, you know, you always expect that number one person on the call sheet to set the tone. And she said, the most magnificent tone and I just played along and we just had the best time to the point where, you know, there were, there were too many moments where we weren't sure if we were still 
on in in the scene or not. We just people are just waiting for us to stop. <laughs> they must well, have cut like ten minutes ago. We we keep going, so it was a lot of fun. That's all you can ask for. Um, and yeah. uh, I know I've talked to people; they've done chemistry reads now virtually, like they literally one's in Toronto and one's in LA, and they're meeting and reading and it must be i don't know if you've ever been in that situation but how do, how does that work you know virtually i have no idea i have no idea i mean i uh, but people are still auditioning on tape without a chemistry read they just like you and they just i guess you know what i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings but i really think it comes with a confidence in what you're doing you know like a guy like soderberg will just cast his friends you know what i mean people right. work with, and he'll just he doesn't need a chemistry because he knows he's going to bring the best out of these guys uh and so i i usually tell when they need to keep auditioning people over and over and over again they're just not they just not they want they're just not that confident but when people just h- get hired like that and they just know you feel you feel you're you're you're, you're going to work with somebody who is seasoned and not look i don't know what i'm saying but uh, oh, I, 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 you know I mean? they're, 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 they're young producers. They're, these aren't Lark isn't, they've been around forever. So, right. And, and there must be, people. must be uh, some comfort for you to be working again with Mark and Stephanie um, uh, on, on this show that oh, you work with it. on Flashpoint. I love it. I love yeah. it. When they, when they, when they approached me with the script and reading it, I go, Oh yeah, no, I remember how they write it's beautiful it's warm it's all it's so it's filled with so much heart and anar who created the show you know of course she she built it it's her it's her baby um but when i could i could see that vince when i read vince i go they know me <laughs> whoever wrote this knows me and yeah. Uh, and and I so I automatically attributed it to or gave Mark and Stephanie the credit, but Anar was was really there in the beginning. Although having never met her, uh, now I'm just rambling, Bill. Just what am I? What, who am I? Who are you? What is this? What are we doing? What are we talking? About? <laughs> it's 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 all awesome. Are you what is this? What is I'm this? I'm just so glad to be talking to you. It's great it's to so catch much fun up. To talk to you, man. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, a lot of other good actors, uh, uh, on the, on the show, uh, yeah. Yeah. and, and, and fun parts. This, uh, this guy, my God, who plays the lawyer, uh, Ryan Markinson. Oh my goodness. He's fantastic. Yeah. And, 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 uh, it's, he's got a couple of scenes where he's walking and talking and it's just hilarious, right? Yeah. He's fantastic. He's always been fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I mean, you know, people like David Cubitt. And oh, have you, worked, have you worked with David before? I have. We did a movie called uh, The Colossal Failure of the Modern Relationship. And I actually had to say that in a sentence once in the film. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I got away with it. But the film was going along nicely. All of a sudden, I had to throw that fucking line out. And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious yeah uh, Cuban, uh, it's, it's almost you find him in the quiet moments and anything right he's just got a stillness to him you know what you know in my humble opinion he had the most thankless character because he'd come in every episode deliver the information and he nailed it every time he was just so magnificent at just setting up okay here's what's going on guys and it's like you know guys who can do that with with skill and with ease are just like I yeah. just sit back and I watch him do that, and it was yeah. just it was just so such a pleasure to watch him do that every time. No, it's fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and you know, working in Surrey, um, BC, can't be too bad, right? I'd never been. I no. stayed in a beautiful part of town called White Rock. Mark Mark had recommended it, and so when it was time to pick a place to live. It was the most beautiful place I'd ever lived in. It was just wow. like the water and the community was fantastic. And it was really close. To, it was really close to Surrey. So I, I, I was, I was in awe at what people drive to work in <laughs> every day. It's water and mountains and trees. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we had probably, according to the locals, probably the best beginning of winter, end of fall, it didn't start raining until 
early December. And we were almost done by that point. Yeah. We had beautiful, beautiful sunny days for the most part throughout it. And it was just the most breathtaking part of the country. I'd never, it was just, oh man, it was gorgeous. Yeah. Better better than Brampton is what you're saying, I think. (laughs) Better, better than most of York. All right. But they, but they don't have McKay pizza, so I I don't know. No, 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 no. And you know what else? And, and you know, and you know what else? Um, uh, although, although, in honor of York Region, the the well, then you know what I can't say. I don't know what the no. I know what the fall was like. There are too many evergreens, so there wasn't much of a there wasn't much of a change in color. Which was disappointing. That's when I longed for York County. You know, when the yeah. when the leaves sort of change. Last last year was spectacular in terms of fall in Canada in, in Ontario. It was pretty pretty good this year, but the year before, my God, it was so colorful. I would drive twenty minutes north and just take pictures for like a month. It was oh, pretty cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back with Rico Colantoni in just a moment. Did you know that it was June Carter Cash who wrote one of Johnny Cash's biggest hits, Ring of Fire? That's just one of the things you'll learn watching June, streaming this month on Paramount+. Plus. June shines a spotlight on the history of country music and the Carter and Cash families. The five-time Grammy Award-winning singer, actor, and author has opened for Elvis, appeared on screen with Robert Duvall and Jane Seymour, and as mentioned, was a damn fine songwriter. Featuring interviews with the woman herself, the film also includes sit-downs with her family, admirers, and friends, including Dolly Parton, Reese Witherspoon, and Willie Nelson. And remember, there's a mountain of premium entertainment for audiences of all ages on Paramount+. Plus. time once again to check in with our friend Emily Gagne at Hollywood Suite. Emily, Happy New Year. What do you got for us now? Well, Bill, we're blasting off into 2024 with genre fair. We're talking sci-fi. We're talking horror. We're talking the freakiest and the most fun movies you can think of. Everything from Beetlejuice to Blade we've got on our channels this month. Wow, Blade scares me. What's the freakiest uh, sci-fi film you've got, though? Sci-fi? I mean, we've got 2001 A Space Odyssey. I don't know if that's the freakiest, but it's a classic. We've got Close Encounters of the Third Kind. But I really think if you want something weird and wonderful, we have this film called 976 Evil, which is directed by... Freddy Krueger himself, Robert England. Well, that's the number, 976 Evil. You can find it on Hollywood Suite. Emily, thanks for the tip. Thanks, Bill. Here he is again, Allegiant star Rico Colantoni. Uh, Rico, do you have a Norman Jewison story? We've lost this great... Uh, oh, my God. When, I didn't know that. When did that happen? Did you not know that Norman Jewison had passed away? No. Oh, I'm so yeah. sorry to be the one that... No, I didn't mean to spring it so... No, uh, I've never met the man. So clumsily. Yeah, yeah just, just, just yesterday it was oh, announced. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, no, but, I don't have any stories. All right. I just wondered, I mean, you know, he was a guy who was very passionate about um, storytelling, about Canadian filmmaking, and um, also um, stories that, um, you know, had to do with culture and race. And uh, um, and it just seems that we see some of that on Allegiance, right? Yeah, it's, I think so. Yeah. I mean, no, I don't even think so. That's exactly what we're about. And, yeah. I mean, the people that created the, the 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 writing staff they were oh i've never i've never worked on a more diverse um show and i really it, there were there were episodes where i was completely uncomfortable i was you know i was the white guy um you know taking it in the chin you know in a lot of ways right 
but but what a beautiful journey for me to go on um because i learned i learned so much i i i i oof the history in canada the indigenous people the just just racism in general that goes on when you're dealing with a community of um of darker colored skin and who have been here for generations you know de- rooted in canadiana are very loyal yeah. to the to the flag and to the queen and still getting getting judged based on the color of their skin so the the whole the whole Oh my God! But but that that's the thing is, Rico is like well, that's sort of I'm what I forget. I'm gobsmacked. You know what I mean? I'm still gobsmacked about what I got to do in the narrative of that whole the whole thing. You know? Yeah, because you and I grew up in Etobicoke, and um, you know it was a very white world. It was pretty diverse. I, well, it, it was diverse. We went to Catholic schools, so you yeah. had, a, you know, but it wasn't like the school experience my kids. Had uh, your yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. But but your point with allegiances and the storylines there, I know there are generational uh, immigrants who've been here hundreds of years who yeah. are part of the mix, and yeah. that's yeah, sometimes yeah. Uh, yeah. not really forgot. It's forgotten or not explored, yeah. and and that's something that is explored in allegiance, right? Uh, a great deal, a great deal. Yeah. Uh, my 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 absolute favorite episode that's still. It still gives me the, the 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 shivers. Is episode seven when we're dealing with um, oh, forget the term, but there was a law where you could actually take an indigenous baby away from their mother without their permission. Right, it's a law that they could do in Canada. Yeah. No, there was a movie made. I'm trying to think of it now. I talked to CBC had a series uh, last yeah. fall that dealt yeah. with that very issue. And uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, this. This it was um, a yeah. movie about this indigenous young girl who was raised in a Jewish family and had a completely different culture transformation uh-huh. that she had to unravel when she became of age. You know, right. Bones of Crows. Yeah, Bones it was. Crows. Thanks, Winston. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did Madison direct that? Was that a documentary? Because Madison did something like should. Well, that was a, that was a scripted series, oh, okay. um, uh, a drama series for sure. Okay. But um, it was a movie first, and then they did four yeah. episodes, and uh, was very well done. But um, we paid, we we did it in one episode, and it just rocked my world. And just the information and the the, the passion of, uh, I mean, the, the script itself was just, uh, I don't know. I mean, they were all wonderful, but this one, this one just still, it still shakes me. Wow. I have to look forward to that. There's ten episodes, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, fun is, I mean, you know, of course, I haven't seen them. I, I have no idea what they look like. <laughs> well, it, it, I did my job, but I'll tell you, Bill, I, I just like in them, in it, in it, and playing in it. It just, it was, it was. It, this was a special one. Yeah, this one was special. Yeah. Well, um, it, it looks it from the pilot. I, I really enjoyed, um, and you're, uh, it's a physical show as well, right? Tell me about it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> Dude, the last time I chased a guy was on Flashpoint. That was 12 years ago. I could, I could ma- barely manage then. <laughs> and, and the one day it rained, the one day it rained, I had to chase somebody. We, we were chasing somebody. Right, right. In the rain. I go, I've never worked in the rain before. I've never, ever worked. Really? In- Toronto, we don't work in the rain. That's true. We wait for the rain to pass. But everybody over there, well, it could stop in like 28 days, so we got to keep going. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And it's, it's coming down. Right. You got to run after this guy. I bust my knee. I do so the, the knee, and the, then the, then you know once you get the knee going, then it's your back, and then that you know one of the same episodes. I had to play basketball at night and like make it all look good. By the way, I uh, I got three threes on camera. I couldn't hit. Really? I couldn't hit the rim in practice, but once the cameras were rolling and we were actually doing it, it was like whoa, whoa, whoa. 
That's that it. Awesome. <laughs> the camera goes goes on and you perform. That's, that's pretty right. cool. That's right. I show up. I show up. And, uh, that's not bad. Um, well, we'll look for that. But uh, yeah, you seem to use all of those things. If you hurt your knee or you hurt, oh, it, it's part of the show. Oh my that's, god. That, well, it couldn't have been because I, you know, I had to keep up with the young upstart. That is that is Sabrina. Yeah. Well, that's the you know you do have great chemistry in it right off the bat. Oh, um, yeah. Um, I had to take you back to the start of your acting career here, looking through your IMDb, and one of your very first credits, Friday the 13th. Gee, why do you have to bring that up now? Whatever happened to Roby? I don't know. <laughs> I, I was working at TV Guide. I remember going to interview her, yeah. and man, oh, man, she's from another planet. <laughs> that was a long time ago. She might have gone home. <laughs> Maybe, maybe she did. You yeah. did a you did a night heat at the start too, right? Those were my first two gigs right out of the American Academy. Yeah, wow. To Toronto, actually, that wasn't technically my first gig, but those were the first two when I came back to Toronto, and uh, those were a lot of fun. Uh, you know, but I'll, uh, you know, uh, it was Alan King who directed the. Um, really? Yeah, Alan King directed the episode of Friday the Thirteenth. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget on the first day or the first couple of days, I was just so in awe of how they fed you. Yeah. yeah, Oh, oh, that's so much food. (laughs) And, you know, I just come from New York. I was, I was barely past the bouillon cubes and the, and the, and the, and the Wonder Bread. And here's all this food. And, and it was, it was, it was my, it was, it was a, it was an episode where I was heavy in. So I worked early in the morning. I was already tired. I loaded my plate up two or three times. By that time, I was just ready for a nap. And I, and I actually had the, had the naivete to go to Mr. Mr. King and say, I'm kind of tired. Can I, can I take a What? No. I, 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 you asked the director if you could have a little nap? I told him if I could have a little nap. <laughs> and he looked at me like I was... He goes, kids, just keep going. Just, I go, but then I learned my lesson. I can't eat that much ever again. Right. right. But it's like that's what I did. I ate it all. It so, so you th- thought you thought you were a reporter like that? If I would go to the set, I would just chow down for an hour because it was all this great hot food. Yeah. But I didn't yeah, have yeah. to act or do anything afterwards. Oh man! But this was this was aside from all the food that they have, you know, on the go. This was lunch. Right. Oh that no. Down, Craft services. Uh, King. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, in Europe, they take a nap. Well. I didn't understand why we had to. (laughs) It was only 45 minutes to eat and go back to work. It's just like, I could use a nap right now. Well, you were doing night eat. You were probably working overnight. Oh, dude, that was the worst. You would shoot that show at three in the morning, right? That was the worst. (laughs) That was the worst. I go, I'd never done a night shoot before. I could bear, you know, and that was who was a uh, Don Shabib. Don wow, Shabib. really? He directed the episode. He wow, directed a lot of those episodes, but he was my first direct. And I remember I needed to come in. It was, of course, it was like three o'clock in the morning. I had to come in, kick a door down, and come in firing. Well, I remembered uh, an old, uh, an old um, uh, Spencer Tracy story, where you know, every Spencer Tracy movie you see, he's always checking his mark. You see him looking down. And he hits his mark and he looks up and he says his line. And I go, fuck, man, I don't know if I can hit the door and, and hit that mark. So I would come in, barely look at the mark, step on it and start firing. Shabib stops and says, hey, killers don't check their marks. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't go to him and say, I'm tired. Yeah, can it's I three o'clock in the morning. I want to <laughs> go to bed. Oh, the things I learned on those. And they all happened within the, the, like a two week period, right? That's so the that's food sad. episode to being up at three o'clock in the morning and trying to get your lines out and sitting in a car and I'm falling asleep. It's just like it was not it was not good. Was Did not you good. meet the French Connection cop who produced that show? Uh, Honey Grosso. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, yeah. He was always in the room when you were auditioning for stuff. Yeah. He was always a sweet man. Yeah, I was uh, overnight there once, and uh, Bill Vigors was the publicist, I remember, and uh, it, it was an unforgettable experience. Um, uh, just, I remember, 
Yeah. Yeah. Don Franks came walking down the street and um, yeah, he was so into a method that I thought it was just some guy who came, woke up from under the bridge for the uh, overpass, you know? No, he was in wardrobe. You know, (laughs) It was, it was something. Uh, Wow. All right. Um, Well, what else can you tell us about uh, allegiance? Um, just in terms of um, guest stars, are there some other people that show up? You know what they did? They did such a wonderful job casting locals, right? Yeah. The story takes place in Surrey. Yeah. We feature Surrey. And we found some exceptional actors that actually just still live in Surrey. There's young actors coming up. And it was just, it was just wonderful. I thought they cast it so beautifully. We had a rock star regular cast, a recurring cast. It was just such a, I don't know. I don't know, Bill. I, I, I'm, still, I'm still digesting the whole thing. And, and, and I'm telling Supinder because she, you know, I go, you're, never, you're not going to experience anything like this on your next show. This, is, this was really special. Huh. This was really, really special. And, you know, I think, I think one of the things that attributed to its uh, – to that feeling was there was a strike going on south of the border. Right. Yeah. So you had probably more actors to draw from, right? There were, but the crew, but not only did we get a, a, a pick of a certain litter, we all came in with a collective gratitude for, for having a place to go. Mm. You know, we, we all sort of, we all felt that. We all knew how 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 lucky and grateful we were mm. to be working at a time when you know my brethren in the South was were, were struggling. So yeah, because you often would cross the border and do a show, and uh, I mean, I, uh, you know, the thing that saved me was that I now live in Canada. So even though I'm a SAG member. It didn't stop me from working in Canada and not cross a picket line. So I just want to be clear about that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, good, good to know. We'll be right back after this short break. second season of the compelling crime thriller Hidden Assets returns to Super Channel for its exclusive Canadian premiere on Sunday, February 11th at 9pm, with each episode also available on Super Channel On Demand. This Irish-Belgian-Canadian co-production is a must-watch for aficionados of crime thrillers. In Season 2 of this Super Channel original, Criminal Asset Bureau's new team lead Claire Wallace finds herself at odds with CTU's Christian de Jong over the Antwerp investigation. And speaking of hidden assets, Quebecer and Brio TV favorite Karine Vaness is among the Canadians on Season 2 of this drama. And remember... Super Channel, an all-Canadian service, is available via most cable providers across the country, as well as streaming live and on-demand with Amazon Prime Video Channels, Apple TV+, and the Roku platform in Canada. Once again... Here's Rico. You know, uh, you've seen a lot of changes in television. Um, it's always in revolution, I think. But the last 20 years, it just it's relentless. A lot of talk about changes at CBC and Broadcast Act. Is it is it getting easier to make TV or harder? Or do you see, is this a golden time or a, a scary time? Isn't that funny? You'd think it would be easier with all the content that's out there and all the Everybody's streaming something. You yeah. can't, can't swing a dead cat and not hit like a, a new show. Mm. Uh, and yet it's incredibly difficult because I, I think because who who's your audience now? Used to be, you know, growing up, 
40 million people were all watching the same show on CBC or CBS. And yeah, we were getting it on CTV or something. Right. No, it's, a, I mean, we, they just had the Emmy Awards. I think there was three and a half million people watched in the United States. Uh, the Emmys, you know, it was a great show too. I mean, it was. No, uh, I'm sure. I mean, we're losing, we, we're, I think we're losing interest in the star system. The Academy Awards, the Emmys, it's like, yeah, yeah. Again, 30 years ago, everybody would tune in because we didn't see them all dressed up. Now we can just go on our thing and see what they're having for breakfast. Right. So the mystique of seeing them accept an award is sort of like, meh. Yeah, no, I think so. And you're even, um, you know, the Oscar nominations came out the other day and the radio stations were calling, well, Barbie got snubbed and this and that. And that's all that it sort of it generates a little bit of a buzz, but it's not really about the movies, you know, so much anymore. No, no it's not. It's because people ha- haven't seen them. And they're busting their ass on wanting to build viewership. But I think we're just in a different time where it's just going to be another choice. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess so. How about yourself? What are you watching these days? It's, uh, are you streaming? Uh, I'll tell you. I'm a big fan of a show called Slow Horses. Oh, my God. That is an amazing series. And there's a Canadian run in that one, Graham uh, Yost, right? Canadian? Graham, yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah, he's Elwee Yost. I don't know if you remembered Elwee Yost growing up on TV Ontario, yeah. Saturday at the Movies. It's his yeah. son, Graham. Oh, right. Well, he's a screenwriter from way back, too. Right? Yes, yeah. He, he did Face Off TV. and all that stuff. Did you see that documentary on Elios? Yes, I'm. I'm in it. You were in it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I did see it anyway. Yeah. That was a lovely, that was a lovely doc. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, pretty good. Slow horses, slow horses. Gary Oldman just, I just, I just, I melt every time he's on screen. I just melt. Amazing. Yeah, it'd be a fun show to be on, huh? Oh my god, I, I, I don't know if I could pull it off with the awe, just be in awe of that man, and all of them are just so wonderful, just so you wonderful. Might be in awe of you. You know what, Bill? Thank you for saying it. Even in even even in the universe, if it said once, maybe. Oh, I, I mean it, man. I think it'd be great to see you guys do something together. Uh, but I, I agree with you on slow horses. Um, do you find that you stream a lot? Are you? Is that what you watch more than? Oh, man, I, I have to be picky because there's so there's so much, and there's the Leafs. I got to watch whenever I get the chance. Oh, wow! Because I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. We are. Um, you know what I mean? It's like I had to watch them. That's a good two and a half hours of my life. <laughs> it is. Uh, my son took we'll me. I'll never a- get back. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's it's fifty six years. We'll never get back. Um, <laughs> my dad. When I, I was nine, when they last won a Stanley Cup, and um, I remember watching it with my dad, who had seen them win eleven. And I remember him saying, oh, get used to this. Oh, I remember that story. You're going to see a lot of this. I was trying to remember who said that story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my son took me to a Marley game uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, down at the CNE there. And um, that was a fun experience. Uh, I have to say, you know, it's pretty good yeah. hockey. I'll bet. Yeah. I'll bet. I went, to, I went to see the Leafs game. Uh, recently, and I go, you know what? I left after the first period. I go, I'm going to go watch the rest of it on TV. <laughs> wow! I don't, I don't, I, you know, you're 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 so preoccupied with who's sitting around you, and just like the seats are kind of narrow, and it's like you yeah. gotta you gotta get there, and you gotta get home. Yeah. Well, that's what I, honestly, that's why I like the Marley game. Yeah. Know, maybe we get. Maybe we're getting old, but yeah, like I'm thinking, it's so easy to park. Yeah, it's so easy to walk in here. It's so easy to get to the Rico Center right now, and it's something else. But I remember it was like intimate and it's small. It's just like you could get every seat was a great seat. Yeah, what was it? What's it called now? It's not the Rico Center anymore. No, it's the uh, Coca Cola or the Pepsi Cola Palace. It's it's named after a soft drink, but uh, or (laughs) I think it's the Enrico Center. Yeah, it should have been. It should have been when we go there. Hey, you know, uh, Henry Carr is, uh, is going to be celebrating 50 years. 
Yeah, that's what I saw. That's it's it's incredible. You were, uh, 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 I mean, the school had been there for a little while, but not that long, really. I guess when you were a student, I was there. I think I was in the fourth year. My God, okay. Yeah, I got there in '78, so I think it was. Um, yeah, so four years earlier, they had, they they were coming out of their portables, and they had just built the the main office. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Father Ted McLean, we talked about before, was uh, um, he just came up today? As a matter of fact, before really, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, he was a great hockey player, right? The Flying Fathers, I think, was uh, yes, he, he was. He was a flying. He was drafted by the Leafs, but decided to go into the priesthood. That's right. That's what a lot of the Leafs should do now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they could build a novena and finally get a Stanley Cup. Uh, that's probably the cruelest thing ever to come your mouth. Well, okay. So, and, and um, what, the other question I always ask, not what you're watching now, but what was what was the show that grabbed you when you were a youngster? Was there a show that you would race home from school to see or a favorite kid's show that you have memories of? Yeah, well, you know. When I was a kid coming home from school, we'd, you know, we'd have Gilligan's Island and the monkeys. And reruns, yeah. Or reruns, like yeah. right after school. And then prime time would show the Partridge family and stuff. And recently I went back on Amazon and rewatched a couple of those Partridge family episodes. And I go, oh, my God. Right. Yeah. Hey, hello. Hey. If there's nothing to it. They do a song at the end, and yeah. then it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 15 awkward, minutes of, yeah. of them around mom's dinner table, and they're all yeah, picking yeah. on the how, sister. How is this a hit? I don't know. How is this a hit? I collect TV shows on 16-millimeter film. So I have a 16-millimeter print of the Partridge family, and it, it uh, the guest star is Meathead. It's uh, Rob Reiner, who's Rob a Reiner. biker. He's yeah, a yeah. biker dude who tries to take out. Uh, funny, the, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 hilarious. But Harry nothing, Morgan was in one of them. Harry Morgan, who went on to Dash episode, was a classic. Is like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So good. Yeah, um, and uh, then finally, do you have a, a favorite all-time TV theme song? I don't think I do. But you know, when I was working with Alan Thick, I caught up on all of his theme songs. That was fun. Oh, like, well, the world don't move to the beat of just one drum, you know. Right. Uh, that was always fun. Was Thick working on Just Shoot Me? or Yeah, no, no, he was on, he was on Hope and Gloria. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we, right. We did, we did 35 episodes with Alan. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, he brought me back to hockey. He goes, come here, my boy. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that story? I don't think so. Did he get you oh, on the ice? different and aloof. He's just, he didn't want to be bothered with me. You know, I was it was my first steady gig, and here he was, and I knew who he was. It's like, you know, I grew up with him. And uh, the minute somebody told him that I was Canadian, he just lit up like a Christmas tree. And it was just like, Rico, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Put his arms around me. He goes, we're going to play hockey. I go, Alan, I haven't played hockey in years. He goes, doesn't matter. Next thing you know, he's suiting me up. I got skates, and I'm out there just on my ankles after not having skated. And this is in L.A.? LA? This is in L.A., yeah, yeah, yeah. So who who would you be skating with back then? I mean, was uh, well, like, you know, Jay Fox um, on the ice? Or? It was sort of – it was a it – was a, it was a pickup game every Tuesday and Thursday – so most people were welcome, but they had to be invited. Alan was certainly part of it. There were a couple of uh, ex-NHLers that showed up. I didn't know who they were. A lot of college kids. But there were, you know, Mike Myers, who came out once in a while. And, wow. Uh, yeah. Jerry, Bruck, Jerry Bruckheimer had a league for a while. He had his own game. He didn't He didn't associate with the, the Hoi Palo. He had, no. he had an elite league. You know. I think I talked. Kiefer Sutherland used to play with uh, Bruckheimer's yeah. gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they they took their act to Vegas, and and, uh, and that went off the rail the rails quickly. That oh, was just too much of a party town, and sure, 
<laughs> well, Alan was associated with the, the celebrity hockey team, right? Oh, yeah. So I'd go on road trips with them on occasion. You know, with Matt Perry. Matthew Perry was a very good skater. Lachlan Monroe, who's... Wow. Who's a, oh, he was probably the best one on the ice. Lachlan, I think Lachlan had a promising career. And when we, we play guys like Joe Watson, you know, we would play again, you know, they'd come on with us. And, and uh, you know, one time we got to play with Stan Makita. And, oh, wow. And uh, I remember I remember the issue Stan had is it's like, these guys are shit, man. You got you to gotta, you gotta give us better players. And at that point, Lachlan was probably the best player who – who could hold the uh, hold the light to those guys, you know? But me, fucking, I just I would just dump and chase. I would dump and let them chase. Is what I would. Right. You're smart. There, there'd be guys from Detroit and Michigan, I'm sure, who were actors who would be standing out. Uh, there was an actor from Full House. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 oh my goodness, that's terrible. I can't think of his name, but um, I know he was involved in, with Thick and a lot. Oh, of he ones. was there. I see him all the time. I know. Yeah. It's embarrassing that I um, I uh, I once they had a part. pardon me you cut that part because if you yeah I'll, I'll I'll come up with his name where's Winston Winston name the uh, Coulier David Coulier oh, Dave Coulier Dave 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 there he is uh, um, I got invited uh, kind of when I was at TV Guide they had a celebrity hockey game that Thick was involved with at Maple Leaf Gardens. And they had uh, some NHLers like um, Brad Park, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, then it was David Coulier. That was probably the time Mike Fox hurt hurt uh, Bobby Orr. <laughs> oh my God! I didn't see Orr. Orr wasn't at this. This is about thirty five years ago. But um, there's a story. I wasn't there when it happened. But there was a story that Mike Fox tripped Bobby Orr, and he went down and. He had to get off the ice. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be doing that. No, but, no, no. but I got invited. There was a thing where uh, Wayne Gretzky and uh, Brett Hall were part of this. So they had a, a handful of NHLers, and uh, the press was invited to sh- play shinny with them for 20 minutes. Oh. So I raced home, got my equipment. The oh. sports guy, TV guy, didn't play hockey. So I said, give me that. And I just got to the rink, oh. got, got on the ice, and I was on a line with Brett Hall. And so I remember um, he, uh, he uh, you know, he's going for the net and um, he passes to me and I shoot it into the stands. Like it was, <laughs> and, and he skates over to me, <laughs> skates over to me and he goes, you're no Adam Oates. You're the what? You're no Adam Oates. <laughs> and he was right. Uh, but but I remember getting he used Adam Oates in your name in the same sentence. I was pretty Walk away with my head high. <laughs> I was pretty excited. He actually <laughs> set me great. up and I scored. I thought Brett Hall just assisted on a goal. I scored. But I went to check Gretzky's on the ice. And I remember skating. He's on the other team. And these guys were just in their sweats. And I'm I'm it's like a force field is around him. Like I remember thinking. I can't get too close to Wayne Gretzky because I might do something yeah. terrible. And yeah. I remember just sort Any of poking. Gardner might come in and like. Uh, it- right. So, but I, I just remember what a thrill that was. So I've got a picture of me in between Brett Hall and Wayne Gretzky. It's like, oh, the donut you gotta show me that. I'll, it's like the donut line. There's no center. There's no, there's a hole in the middle. Anyway, <laughs> it was us and our hockey stories. We can uh, do a whole podcast and exchange hockey stories. I think we could. Uh, okay, I'm going to ask the last. We haven't we didn't have a Norman Jewison story. Leave us with a George Siegel story. Oh. I know you have uh, countless to, to draw from. He was obviously uh, uh, on Just Shoot Me uh, and uh, a tremendous actor and could do anything. And you must have uh, a story maybe that involves a banjo. I don't know. Well, there were plenty of banjo stories until we told him not to bring the banjo to work anymore. I think that hurt his feelings. <laughs> that hurt his feelings. Told him not to bring it anymore. It drew, drew too much attention. But I'll never forget the first time we were... Uh, it might have been a rehearsal, one of the first episodes. And they were doing a scene. And I just, you know, I literally, I needed to watch the man. I needed to, to just absorb what he was doing. And so I would just, just like, just behind the wall, because, you know, you know, the sets. On yeah. those, you know, you could just stand 
stand behind the wall and just watch him. And he's in this scene, right? He's just, and he doesn't break a stride. And he just like, he makes eye contact with me. He goes, what do you want? <laughs> really? Get out of my eye line. It's like, he just, was, he just. He was busting your balls. <laughs> he, just, he just wouldn't have it. And then later on, you know, you get to know him. He would tell stories about when he, that later when he did a later movie with uh, Mark Rydell and they did that movie he did with um, Barbara Streisand and how he would say. Oh, yeah. What's up, Doc? Or no, no uh, later, later, later. It was a movie that they had done in the 90s together that Mark Rydell had directed it. Anyway, The Rose or something. I don't know. Something, The Pale Rose or something. Uh, Winston? <laughs> exactly. I was thinking the same thing. Um, so he would say how hypersensitive she was when there was a stranger on the set and no one told her or introduced her and she would just start singing stranger on the set. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's so funny. George had that same antenna whenever there was somebody that he just didn't recognize and he didn't know me. I'm sure he didn't even realize that I was acting with him. Uh, or I was in the show with him, but that those early days, he was just, just, just wanted to be left alone. He said, I love him. I miss him. I miss him. And we still hang out, the rest of us, and we, we share a beer in his honor every time. Oh, that's nice. Wendy Malik and... Uh, Wendy and Laura and, yeah. yeah. Spade shows up once in a while. Usually it's on FaceTime, but... Do you ever listen to Spade's podcast? Yeah. Pretty yeah. Funny. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Fact, I got I got some airtime when they interviewed Tom Tom Hanks. Oh, perfect for yeah. uh, Tom was saying, "Hey, I just worked with your buddy. He was just, you know the buddy for the neighborhood." <laughs> yeah, no, he goes and Dave is going, "No, who?" It's just like you know the guy that was on "Just Shoot Me" with you. <laughs> he goes, "Rico, Rico, yeah, of course. How could I forget that name? Sweetest guy <laughs> in the world. Oh yeah, Rico." <laughs> so I got I got a half plug from Tom Hanks. That's all right. Yeah, no, it was good. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool. Uh, Rico, it's so great to see you. And um, you're, always, I, you're always wonderful, Bill. Thank you. Uh, hopefully, next time in person. And uh, uh, congr- congratulations on Allegiance. It's. Um, I hope people watch. I mean, it's really, like I said, I hope what we felt on set translates. Well, it does in the pilot. Oh, good. Yeah, it's. Uh, it gets. It it builds and it gets quite gripping at the end uh, of the episode I watched. But a fine cast and a great story and uh, a yeah. beautiful show. It's. It, it looks. It'll it make looks Canada nice. proud. It'll make Canada proud. It's got quite yeah. an ensemble of Canadian talent, and uh, that that makes me really, really, really happy and really proud. That's great. Wednesday, February seventh, on CBC, CBC Gem. And I'm sure coming to a U.S. network near you. Um, I think 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. Do you know? I think it's 9 p.m. That's pretty good. That's the right hour for it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you. Lisa. All right. So uh, all the best and uh, stay off the ice. <laughs> just not, just stay off the, the ice on the street, you mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. All right. Take okay. care. Bye bye. My thanks as always to Phil Hong for his allegiance in producing this podcast. Thanks as well to the folks at CBC Publicity for setting up the interview with Enrico. Give it up to BJ Del Conte, Paul Boudra, and all the crispy critters, as well as piano man Stephen Dudley, who many years ago recorded the music you hear on this podcast. Finally, thanks to you, listener. If you enjoyed this conversation, let us know with a like or a comment at Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Bill Brio. Thanks for listening.